And welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. And we're back. It's been a tricky time since lockdown, to put it mildly. From all of us at Fulham Focus, our thoughts go out to everyone listening who's been affected by COVID-19. The force of football has been kicked into real perspective the past three months, but with the news of the EFL returning, we thought it best to do the same ourselves. This episode, we'll be discussing the season resuming and whether it will be a midsummer night's dream of returning to the Premier League. All on the other side of this. Fulham. Well, gentlemen, here we are. The Championship is back on the 20th, the Premier League is back on the 17th, and League One and League Two have been curtailed with weighted points per game. What a horrible few months it's been, eh? Here with me to lighten it all up is Matthew Baldwin and Dr. Frankenstein himself of the Fulham Focus creature is Danny Boy. Danny, mate, how's your lockdown been? Any new tricks learned? How you doing, mate? You all right? Not too bad at all. How have you been throughout lockdown? Yeah, I was wise, you know, just trying to get by like everyone else. Um, done a bit of gardening. You used nice. the opportunity to do up the garden for the kids, which has been been handy. Other than that, uh, I haven't learned how to do my hair. Just been a bit <laughs> of an issue. Um, I was desperate for an air cut before lockdown uh, came in. So I was absolutely gutted when they said they were closing the barbers for the foreseeable future. Yeah, other than mm. that, just... Staying indoors and, and going to work. That's about it. How about you? You all right? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. I, I look forward to when the barbers opens again. I'm, I'm hearing around July, early July is when they might open, but I think it's going to be a bit delayed. Um, look, right in front of me, who I can see, though, who might need to go to the barbers quite stat, is Mr. Baldwin. How have you? How's your lockdown been? And have you learned any new tricks, sir? Oh, my lockdown has been going fabulous. Thank you very much for asking, J-Mac. Um, I haven't really learned anything. I, I discovered that I can make a mean fish finger sandwich, but I don't know if that's really something you learn. That's just something you have in the back of your, but you just never get a chance to use it. So if you what want you to count that, in? you can count that. So what am I putting in it? Ketchup, because I'm a normal person. Um, and so fish fingers, no, obviously. No rocket, no tartar sauce. No, what? No. Anyway, I'm pretty sure we're not here to talk right. about my, my dietary habits. I'm sure we're here to talk about football, so why don't we do that instead? Fine, let's talk about football. So the season is resuming. Lots of injuries have been remedied for us and lots of injuries have been remedied for our competitors in this league. But the form table is now anyone's game. Now, Danny, I'll go to you with this question. Which teams do you think will benefit from the break? I think it's inevitable that certain teams are going to fall away. Uh, it's, it's been a long break. It's basically a new season, a new mini season. Yeah. And there isn't the benefit of having a proper pre-season. You know, I think we might be playing one friendly in the build-up. Mm. So some teams are going to come back fresher than others. Some teams are going to feel more match-sharp than others. But thinking about it, the top six in particular, were any of them actually in that great of form going into the lockdown? I, I can't think of anyone that was outstanding. We, we all seem to win games, lose games. Obviously, Leeds and West Brom were outstanding first half, first half of the season. But mm. I think everyone's been pretty much a mixed bag. The, the form seemed to come from below. Seems to be the teams chasing the top six. So, if anything, the, the lockdown's probably done all of the top six a favour because we all had injuries. I think Leeds were, were, were starting to burn out a little bit. 
so mm. the breaks obviously going to do them a lot of favours with the, the style of play they play. But on paper, I would say we've got the best squad in depth. Maybe not the best starting eleven, but the options behind that. I don't think there's many teams that have as many options as us, excluding a, a replacement for Mitrovic. Other than that, you've got the bottom three. I think Hull are very, very lucky. I think Charlton are very lucky because Charlton yeah. proved in the first half of the season that they can be competitive when they've got their best 11. Maybe a little bit of momentum from being promoted. It was a bit of a honeymoon at first. But they had about 15 injuries, Charlton. And Hull were just sliding off a cliff. After losing Bowen and uh, Krasicki, Charlton and Leeds probably benefited and Hull benefited the most from the break. I'm looking at the form table, actually, just now you mentioned it. The form table before things left as they were, it was Leeds were at number one. Wigan, like you say, in around the bottom area, were number two in the form table. Stoke were number three, QPR number four, and us were at number five and Derby at number six. It's really going to be how teams have dealt with the lockdown rather than with what's gone on before. Like, we assume that Leeds United, because they're high-style, they're high-pressing, they're high-energy style of play, that if they've got it right, they'll just be able to be, you know, a lot fitter than teams than that maybe haven't quite dealt with the lockdown as much seriousness. But for all we know, Jack Harrison and Patrick Bamford have been sat on the couch eating pizza for five times a day for all we know and haven't been bothered <laughs> to put the work in. I'm not saying they have, but so it's kind of a lot of guesswork. So it's going to be a bit of a restart for everyone. I think everyone is going to have weird results in some way, shape or form. No one is going to really know how this lockdown has affected every team because every team has, you know, could have handled it differently because of you know, the training, players having to go away because some teams have people with uh, tested positive, so they would have had to self-isolate. So would that have done anything you know, to the harmony? I think Blackburn lost their captain um, to it, so see self-isolating. So we're not going to really know how each team has dealt with it, probably until about two or three games into the season, and then things will start to really normalise themselves, in, in my view. I think a lot of it will come down to mental pressure as well and mental toughness, which teams can cope with the weight, the inevitable weight of being promoted or relegated. You know, teams like Barnsley and Luton were actually doing okay. Uh, remember, Barnsley yeah. came came to the cottage on that weird day with the wind and, and actually tore us apart. Leeds, you know, how long have Leeds waited to be promoted? It seems like every yeah. year they fall apart and this year... They probably wouldn't have, but uh, they've just had to sit there twiddling their thumbs. Are we going to carry on? Are we not? Uh, you'll have teams in the middle of the table that probably don't give a toss whether the season starts or not. It makes no difference to them. They're not going to go up or down. It all depends on the mental toughness and the attitude the players come back with from each team. We have to play a lot of teams that are in and around us in the top six. Like you said, we, we have to play Wigan last game of the season. So we've got to play a lot of teams that have a lot riding on these last nine games. That could work in our favour because they not, might not handle the pressure. It might work against us because Leeds, for example, uh, off the top of my head, they, they might be playing a load of mid-table teams. They could end up just turning over because they treat it like they're already on the beach. you know. Because I, I, I would imagine there's a lot of players that probably don't want to come back, particularly the ones that have nothing to play for. Yeah, I, th I think you make an excellent point in regards to the mental um, aspect of it. I think it was a, it was a point that Chris Wilder was making. I, I can't remember the exact quote, or it may have been Oliver Nord. I know someone from Sheffield United was saying it's the team that wants it more is going to win the game because they'll have that 
little bit more of a mental competitive edge because every team's going to be coming in with various levels of you know decreased fitness. Maybe they're all coming in on the same. Again, we don't know. But it's those teams that want it more are going to have a huge advantage because they're going to be going you know full on into tackles. Whereas those teams who are in mid table, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, for instance, haven't really got much to play for. So in a game like that we will have the advantage because we've got something to fight for. They don't. But again, a game like Brentford or, as you say, Wigan at the end of the season, if they've still got something to fight for, they're going to want to go full at it. If not, because of the way it's all gone and maybe looking ahead to next season, they don't want to risk anything. So they may be going at only you know, 75 80%. That would give us a bit of an edge. It is literally going to be whoever wants it more will win these games. Do you think that our style, be it boring, be it a bit timid, our sideways style of play, our possession style of play, Danny, is going to benefit us in this situation for starting the league when we are. There's no doubt about it. Keeping the ball, you're doing less work than the opposition. We are the type of team that keeps the ball. I think it will fall into our hands a little bit. I'd like to see Kevin McDonald play the first few games at least. For me, you know, not only does he protect the, the back four, but he's one of those that I don't think relies on speed he hasn't got any he's good on the ball he's composed on the ball he's a leader and I think he will dictate the tempo of a match because I think that's crucial the midfield that plays the game they want to play will obviously have the upper hand we you know we can yeah. slow it down when we need to we can play it quicker when we need to I'm not so sure the other midfielders in the team can do it as effectively as he can because um, that, that for me is his strength being a deep lying playmaker. So, yeah, yeah, good old I, number I think six. Kevin McDonald, could, Kevin McDonald could be crucial, and I think our style of play could be crucial. We need to do more teasing, teasing the opposition into trying to chase us down. There's no point in going sideways all the time uh, across the back four because teams will just sit there and reserve their energy. Yeah. You need to give them something to chase, and if we do that, and let the ball do the work, then of course it will play into our hands. It works in our favour, but you've got to think there are a lot of other teams in the Championship that will want to hold on to the ball. I've just literally, just while you were talking there, brought up the um, possession table. One is Leeds. Leeds lead the league in terms of average possession per game at uh, 63, at 63%. Then it's us, then it's Brentford, who are our first two games. So I think you, in that scenario, you're just going to find, remember the film Dodgeball? where everyone just retreats to the back wall and no one wants to do anything. I do fear yeah. that that could very well be the situation. Just one team passing the ball along their back line, and because the other team doesn't want to get tired out chasing them, it's just going to form a wall in front of their back line to say, come on, come at us then. I do fear that. But yeah, absolutely, I do I do agree to you in principle. Ready. And I will say one thing, sort of leading on to the behind closed doors thing. What it will mean is fans won't exactly be getting on top of the players because, you know, it's inevitable, even though we've been used to this style of football. But there are still fans who will, when we're passing the ball along the back, will want to scream, get the ball forward, get rid of it, you know, stop fanning around sort of thing. You won't be getting that from the fans this time. So I think in that sense, again, go back to the mental side of it, there will be a, there will be a little bit more relaxed from the players because they won't have the pressure of the fans piling on top of them. Football, though, I mean... I agree with what you're saying. 100% playing behind closed doors is going to be an advantage to certain teams and disadvantage to others. But the way you worded that was as if it's going to be an advantage um, to us because the crowd get on your back. I think it will be an advantage to us because I don't think either way the fans at the cottage really influence the game in the way that they would at Ellen Road, say. 
you know, like I said, Leeds have waited a long time to get back to the Premier League. I think they feel a lot of pressure playing at Ellen Road. But if they were to go 1-0 down to us, there would be no pressure, really. Not from around the crowd, because there is no crowd. So I think, in a way, it plays into Leeds' hands and teams that have quite an intimidating home crowd when, when yeah. things aren't going their way and really feel the pressure. The teams at the bottom... It works in their favour. The nerves are going to be bad enough as it is, but not having the crowd to intensify the atmosphere will work for them. Either way, I don't think it makes a difference to us. And we've got to go to Ellen Road. We've got to go to the city ground. We've got to go to uh, the Hawthorns. Hawthorns, yeah. And, and, and effectively not having home advantage is, is massive for us, but not in the way that you're saying. I, I don't mean that in a horrible way to our fans. You know, I'm, I'm very proud uh, of a group of fans that are, you know, are welcoming and, and, and everyone loves coming to the cottage. It's a, it's a, it creates its own atmosphere. We don't have to be loud, but come off it. You know, we're, we're not anywhere near the worst when things aren't going our way. I, I don't think at, at times would the, crowd, um, the players even notice. At the moment, we're playing in front of three stands anyway. That's so, right. So um, another interesting point to make is that in recent times, since we've been in the championship and started playing Brentford again, I, don't, I can't recall many games where our players have been more up for the game or, or responded to, to the rivalry as much as the Brentford players. The Brentford players seem to react more to the derby and seem to be more up for it. They never give us an easy game. And I, and I think their fans not being in the ground, I think will benefit us more than it will benefit them because they seem to care more about the derby than we do. Reese, talk to me about this because like we said, Brentford, huge game, both in the top six, but also it's a new season. The form book's out the window, as we keep saying, but we don't actually start very well in new seasons. We're not exactly the best of starters, but neither are Brentford. I've just gone back and I've looked through their seasons in the Championship, which seems like a fair sample size. You know, first season they got promoted, 2014-15. They drew it home to Charlton. Next season, they drew it home to Ipswich. Next season, they, they lost away to Huddersfield. Next season, they lost away to Sheffield United. Uh, last season, 18-19, uh, they won at home to Rotherham, which... It's Rotherham, 5-1. Yeah, it's Rotherham. And this season, they lost at home to uh, to Birmingham City. So they're not exactly quick starters either. This could very well be a very dull game, but it's going to be who wants it more is going to come out on top. And the fact that we don't have fans, you know, without you know getting G'd up by the fans and so on and so forth, as Danny mentioned earlier, could play to our advantage. You've got to take into account what teams rely on scoring goals and what teams are capable of grinding out results. Uh, if you look at most of Brentford's results this season, I would, off the top, without looking, I would guess that they either batter teams or they draw or lose. You know, they, they, there's not many one nils in there. They're, they're, they're quite proud to say that, you know, they're the entertainers of the season so far. A lot of five, sixes. I think they even beat someone seven nil. But after such a, a long gap... There's no guarantee that they're going to be able to turn it on like that. Losing that momentum could really stunt uh, their attack. Whereas if you're a team that is capable of keeping clean sheets, which I think we are now with Hector, the defence is a complete contrast to what it was before Hector came in. That, to me, is a lot easier to to get right than it is to be free-flowing, scoring 3-4 from the off. And that could really affect how they start to the, to the season. And if they don't start well, 
It's only nine games. They could fall away. I don't think we will fall away because I think we'll just plod along the way we have. I don't think mm. we've been mm. great to watch. But likewise, I don't think we've ever done enough to suggest we're going to sink. Brentford remind me of Fulham the year we failed in the playoffs. You know, we used to mm. win a lot of games, 4-1 or, or, you know, 3-2. Never seemed to keep clean sheets. And then we got Reading in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, you're playing a team that's hard to beat. And we couldn't, we had no answer to it. And I think that will be Brentford's downfall, is that they rely too much on scoring. Yeah, and maybe inexperience in playing in a big game like the playoffs. Just going back to what you were saying there, it was actually Luton Town that Brenton scored seven goals against. It's no mistake to say that this game is massive and could prove as a huge boost to get that momentum going as quickly as possible for these nine remaining games, or eight, as it would be after we've played Brentford. Now, you mentioned Michael Hector and how you feel more comfortable now, Danny, that he's in the squad. And I feel exactly the same. Now that Michael Hector's been with us for even longer... I feel more secure about him and Tim Ream as as a centre-back partnership. I would just like to know what we all think about what team we would like to actually be playing against Brentford. Now, we can have five subs now, so we have a lot of central midfielders we can rotate in this game. But I'd like to know what you think would be the best starting lineup for this game and perhaps as a sort of template for the rest of the season. So we obviously know it's going to be Merritt Rodak in goal. Joe Bryan is left back. Tim Ream and Michael Hector as a centre-back pairing. Are we all agreed that it's Dennis Adoya's right back, or would you like to see Cyrus Christie there? Uh, yeah, I, I think Dennis Adoya. I think Cyrus did well when, when he stepped in uh, towards the end before before lockdown. But no, for me, the, the, the back four, back five picks itself. You want a mixture of slow and fast, basically, in your team. You want to be able to sort of... I think that does provide a good mix, at least in regards to defence, that you've got a good a good balance there across the back four. All right, and centre midfield. Now, this is where it gets a bit weird because we have so many of the fuckers now and a lot of them are fully healed. I think all of them are fully healed now. Harrison Reed's back. He's got a lovely old sporting ginger beard. Kevin McDonald as a number six, Danny was alluding to earlier. I agree with this and I think we all agree that Tom Kearney needs to start. So who would be your final number eight in the middle there? So I think you want a little bit more energy in midfield. So I want to go for, I want to go for Harrison Reed. Again, we have so many players to choose from. You could put Stephanie Hansen. You could put Arta. You could, in theory, drop Tom Kearney back a bit and then uh, Bobby Reed further forward. But personally, yeah. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be Harrison Reed. That's who I would go with. I think it'll be the same three. Uh, Kearney has to play. McDonald sitting in front of the the back four, uh, controlling the tempo of the game. The one thing that, that strikes you about them two is there's there's no energy in there. There's no legs. So you need someone mm. in there to compensate for that. You need you need a runner. Basically, you, you need the 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 old trio, the famous trio. But the problem is, we need to be realistic. Joe Anson is so far down the pecking order now that I'm not going to suggest he's going to play because I don't think he will. But you want that type of player. Josh Onomar, I think, as an individual, his performances really improved. But what yes. I found with him was when he got injured, Kearney seem to become a lot more adventurous and, and be a lot better without him in the way. Kearney seems to be a bit more reserved with Onoma driving forward. Um, he seems to be a lot deeper. And, and I think Kearney needs a more free role to be a bit more natural bombing forward. So I think Harrison Reed naturally probably be more of a McDonald, but I don't think he will bomb on in the same way Onoma would. 
which means mm. Kearney would play the front role of the three. If that and let's sense. be honest, Scott Parker is always going to pick Josh Unamer, isn't he? I mean, I think that's quite that's a given if he's fit. Yeah, I, I wouldn't pick him. Um, I, I think I think the the three uh, Baldo said um, Reed, Harrison Reed, McDonald, and and Kearney. Harry Arter again, another player that seems to start doing okay. But for me, he, I think this is probably why Bournemouth got rid of him. He's the kind of player he needs to play every single week. Uh, to be a hundred percent match sharp, and if he's proper on his game, he's arguably our best midfielder. But if he's playing a stop-start role, I think he gets frustrated. I, I think he's Definitely. well off the pace. He'll make stupid t- tackles. Uh, he'll make stupid decisions, and he's a bit of a Joey Barton. You know, mm. he, he could yeah, be really he good, or he, yeah, he could be really good, or he could be a liability. And 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 this this break wouldn't have done him any favors, would it? You know, he's going to be well off the pace. I, I, I think yeah. it has to be them three. All right. And so for front three, I mean, there's no question about it. I could make jokes. I could say it'd be Jay Stansfield, although he is looking good. But it would be Mitrovic up top, Cavalero either on the right or the left. He likes to switch around. Now, I'm not sure about the final piece here. I, I mean, a lot of people will say Anthony Notcup, but I wouldn't be so sure that AK-47 wouldn't be a bad shout. What would you say, Mr. Reese, for the final piece for this front three? You may not get consistency or you may not get, let's be honest, a lot of talent, but what you do get with Abubakar Kamara is speed and he offers it in shed loads. So I think it's, I don't think it's a bad shout to want to put him in the team. Do you put him in over Anthony Knockhart? It's a bit, it's a bit of a strange one. I wouldn't blame Scott Parker if you went with it, because if you want to frighten the life out of defenders who are not a hundred percent fit, even if Abubakar Kamara is not a hundred percent fit, I would I would love to see him running at defenders that aren't quite up to pace yet. So yeah, I I can see the reasoning for it, but at the same time, I can also see the reasoning of leave him until those defenders get more tired towards the end of the game at about the 65-70 minute mark, and leave him um, as the super sub, not exactly super sub, but you get what the impact sub that he has become. I I can also see that going either way. See, I completely disagree with both of you, and it's going to be a bit controversial because I would imagine Cavalero gets in most teams. As much as I have criticised him in the WhatsApp group chat over the season, I would uh, play Bobby. I would play. I can't Bobby believe Reed it, Kamara. <laughs> I know, I know. But hear me out, right? I would play Kamara and Bobby Reed out wide, and and I think the mistake we've made this season is. We've played our wide players too wide. Cavalero will only score you worldies. He, he was, doesn't score from inside the box. Knockhart barely has end product. So, but, but whereas Kamara, whenever he plays, seems to make something happen. Although Mitrovic is the top scorer in the league, we've really not got the best out of him. He's been so isolated. And, and if, you're, if you're not going to have an adventurous uh, midfield free, your wide players need to get closer to the box, closer to, to him, uh, to give him a bit of support because he's not a Louis Sahar. He's not the, the kind of striker that's going to run in behind and do it on his own with a bit of pace. He's a target man. He's a target man that needs people to feed off him. And I would play a 4-3-3 rather than a 4-2-3-1 because yeah. that way, if Kamara... When you haven't got the ball... They both naturally go wide because you're in a defensive mm. shape. Yeah? yeah. So Kamara will be on the right, Bobby Reed will be on the left. But when you have got the ball, 
and say Kamara's on the right wing, then just like in a back four, if, say, Odoi bombs forward, the back three then shift over. So the same mm. would happen with the same effect in a front three. If Kamara's out wide, Joe Bryan would overlap and Bobby Reid would tuck in and, and become two centre forwards. So if a cross comes into the box, you've now got two players in the box. Someone for Mitrovic to knock the ball down to. You've always got somebody close to him and vice versa. If Bobby Reid's the one out, right, out wide with a two-on-one with Joe Bryan, say, Kamara would tuck in. And then you'd have two beasts in the box to aim at. I don't think you get that with Cavalero and, and Knockout. I think they're too far away from Mitrovic. They're, they're too naturally wide. The players don't complement each other. You know, you've got a striker that relies on service and, and players around him. And then you've got wide players that don't get anywhere near the striker. And mm-hmm. for me, that's why I would go with Kamara and Bobby Reed. Because I think in the box, they're more natural than Cavalero and um, the other one, Knockout are. Yeah, Anthony Lockhart has been... Does that make any sense? No, it does make a lot of sense. But the thing is, I think... But what I will say is that we're forgetting that actually we have five substitutions at our uh, disposal for the rest of this league. I think that could really help us as well. We could change such a huge dynamic of the squad with five subs in a game, especially with the depth we have in certain creative positions. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we need to protect the health of the players. I mean, they can't be expected to, to... just run around and burn out without a full pre-season. So I think it makes complete sense. Obviously, it's going to favour the team with the bigger squad, which again comes back to us because there's no... I don't think there's a team with more strength and depth than us. It's the the right thing to do, providing it's only temporary for, for this season. And then next season, it goes back to normal with three. The use of the five subs is going to allow, you know, the teams with the bigger squads, and we are one of those teams with the bigger squads, um, a little bit more flexibility. And it gives us a little bit, of, I don't want to say it's a, a get-out clause, but, for instance, if we want to have Abubakar Kamara on the bench, it's not like we're wasting a sub, in a sense, to get him. We're not wasting one of three subs. We're only wasting one of five subs. So if things like go right, we can always bring him back off, back off again. So we're not limiting ourselves in that way. And it's going to be great because again, with the amount of fast players we have, they're going to need rest. So what better way to, you know, switch things up than you know, to have say Bobby Reed and uh, Bubakar Kamara on the wings. And then after 60 minutes, replace them with two equally good wingers in Nokar and Caviero. And, you know, we don't then only have one sub left to use. We then still have another three. It's absolutely great. There's it's bonuses. I think as long as it's only a temporary thing, I'm okay with it. But there is just something in that, that little bit in the back of my mind after that makes me think that it's going to be something that come because you know substitutions have grown over the years. It used to be one sub, then it was three, then it was five in the Premier League for a long time, then it went up to seven, um, and now it's going to be nine. I would be stunned. If this isn't the thing that comes up, because we've talked about fixture congestion, this would be a way to combat it, especially going into next season where, you know, we may have to shorten the season, more games in less space of time, so on and so forth. I can see it staying around personally. Baldo, is that true? That There's nine, nine on the bench now? Yes. So you can use five from nine, not five from seven? Yeah. You see, my worry is that if this isn't just a temporary thing and we go to having five subs, as well as having VAR, which is it's bound to come into the championship eventually. So 
we don't know what division we're going to be in next year, but either way, I would imagine VAR, it's only a matter of time before it affects Fulham. You've got that as well as having five subs each, 10 subs potentially. I mean, we'll be there all day. You know, you, you can't have five <laughs> subs as a, as a long as a permanent thing. They, they'll end up being about twenty minutes of stoppage time. So yeah. it has to be it has to be a temporary thing. It could be the future because you know, as players are getting richer, they want more game time, and it, like you said, more tactical things can happen. And we all saw what it was like for technically getting Harvey Elliott his first ever Premier League game. That could be the way the game's headed. Unfortunately, it would potentially give youngsters more of a chance. And, and more experience yeah. of being in the first team environment. Even if they don't get on, they'll have more opportunities of being on the bench because not everyone's got a squad to cope with having nine players on the bench. But I think you will anyway going forward, particularly in the la- the bottom two divisions because, well, no, actually across the whole thing because financially, I don't think clubs are going to be going mental next year. They might be forced to, to blood a few kids in. Hang on, you say that, Danny. Though I don't, I don't want kids being thrown on just into the subs just for the sake of it. I mean, we do still have a promotion thing to go on. Don't put them on the bench just for the sake of it. They have to be there to make an impact if required. Don't just. I get that we get an extra two spots, but they have to be, you know, worthy of being in those spots. If you get what I'm saying. Oh, I think I think that goes without saying, but. I think there's so much pressure in football now. You've got a dozen teams that are expected to to fight for the playoffs. You've got, you know, seven or eight teams that are fighting for relegation every season. I think there's too much pressure on managers to keep their jobs, for them to, to gamble on youngsters. The youngsters can only be given a chance if, if they're ready. Uh, but I think there's a lot of cases where the managers have opted against it and, and, and gone for a more experienced player because they can't take the gamble. And and now they haven't got to to make that gamble. It's made for them. Seeing players like Jay Stansfield come in in the 80th minute, so for instance, to help out Mitrovic, turn it into a two up front, not the worst idea. I'd like to see Jay Stansfield. It might be a moment that Jay Stansfield could become a hero this season. You never know. You can't predict it. So let's just see if what we, happens. Again, if we're 3-0 up with 10 minutes to go against Sheffield Wednesday, by all means, go for it. When we're one all with Brentford with five minutes to go, for God's sake, keep Stanfield on the bench. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, th- I think what I was saying was, obviously, before you pick a match day squad, you don't know what the score is going to be. I mean, I'd rather do that than give 10 minutes to Lamarchon or Cabano, which seems to be a waste of time. I mean, Cabano, you know, whenever he comes on, he does all right, but it's so few and far between when you see him. You'd rather see a, a kid um, flourish off the bench. But yeah, I agree with Baldo. It has, it has to be in a situation where we're where we're winning. There's t- there's too much riding on these nine games to um, throw kids in for the sake of it. Yeah, and uh, too much riding on these nine games, as you say, and as you said just a few seconds ago as well. You know, you can't pick your subs before predicting what the score is going to be. So I would like to actually know what your score prediction is going to be, folks, for the Brentford game, and then we'll have your season predictions really quickly. I'm going to say a one-all draw. I think a cagey one-all draw. Teams aren't the t- both teams are going to be really up to 100. It's not going to be the most thrilling of games. I just, I just think, I think a, a dow up one one-all personally. I think a draw could be likely, but I've also, I'm sorry, guys, I've got this sort of horrible feeling it could be start of a season like a Barnsley and we could lose. But what do you think, Daddy? What's your score prediction for this one, mate? I, th- I think it would have been a. 
a tougher game for us if if there was you know it, it was as normal uh, and and lockdown hadn't happened if we had played them on that uh, Friday night or whatever it was because you know they would have had their fans in the ground and it would have been a proper proper game. So I'm not as worried about playing them. If it had been like three or four games in, and I would have said, yeah, I think we'll beat them. But it's the first game back. You just don't have a clue what's going to happen. I, I think the players are going to be very cagey. I could see it being nil-nil. I yeah. could see it being a non-event. Hardly any chances. Just two teams keeping the ball and, and getting a feel for the game again. I also think both teams are going to be too scared to lose. Because if we beat them, I think third place is sealed. That's it. Done and dusted. If they beat us, Blimey. I mean, God knows. We we might not even make the top four, you know? Because mm, if Forest win their about. game and, and Brentford beat us, they're both a point behind us. And it, 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 the top two could be out of reach if we lose. So, say Leeds and West Brom win and we lose. So, yeah, I think both teams would be just too scared to lose. I'm, I'm going to go for a really boring nil-nil. Let's have our season predictions really quickly. Who's going to end up in the top six and who's going down? Going down, I think, personally, Lewin and Barnsley are down already, personally. I, even though it's six points and, you know, the gaps and worked out with West Brom, I don't think Luton and Barnsley are going to be able to catch up. Yeah, it's then really a fight for the last relegation place. I no, I don't really have a lot of faith in many of the teams. As Danny mentioned earlier, Hull City are on an absolute free fall. They saw what they were after they sold their players. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they... Uh, held down Charlton. I think I think they have a decent squad. I can see them getting out of it, but at the same time, with all the chaos that's going on about them, they've, oh, they've got oh, Lyle Taylor. Yeah, and Lyle Taylor, exactly. There's another one um, reason that there's just that little bit of doubt in my mind. Um, I... I think it's I think it's going to be Hull. Honestly, I think they just lost too much when they lost Jared Bowen, and that free fall I don't think is anything you're going to be able to come back from. So I'm so I'm going to say Hull. So it's Luton, so, Barnsley, and Hull. God damn. Yeah, I agree. I'll go for the same three. Like I said earlier in in the pod, Charlton. Uh, if if you rewind to when we played Charlton at home and they were they were above us, I think, and they were doing really well. It was a tough game. We we had to really show some character to come back and. And, and get that nick that draw. Obviously, it weren't going to last for them, but I think they showed it when they've got a fully fit squad that they're competitive at this level. And they lost a lot of players. Obviously, it's my local team. I know they had about 15 first-team players out. And, and getting a lot of them back, I think the break would have done them a lot more good than it would have done Hull because Hull, the damage is done already. They, they lost their two best players. Grzycki to um, West Brom and, and Bowen to, to West Ham. In my opinion, it's ludicrous to, to sell your two um, best players in the January window. I think that's madness. Mm. They're paying the price for it. I just don't see where the quality is in their team. Whereas I think Charlton, with, with a few more uh, injuries coming back, could get a few more results. So and and I agree with him about the bottom two. The, the gap's too big now. Had lockdown not happened, they had a bit of momentum, but that's gone. And and yeah. I just don't I just don't see them two having any chance between between right. Hull, Wigan, and Charlton, in it. And I'm going to go for Hull. And I think so. Going on to the top six, then we've all been talking about Fulham's chances. How we think we're cemented in the playoffs. I mean. Danny, what you just said about a couple of minutes ago has actually scared me because if we lose against Brentford, we could become out of fourth maybe. 
And I'm just thinking that could start a terrible chain reaction. I'm, I'm trying not to think about it. I'm trying not to scare myself too much. But for top six, I'm going to try and be positive. For me, I think we're going to pre- be in third. I think it'll be Brentford in fourth. I think I think Bristol City are going to get in there somewhere. And I think it's going to be Nottingham Forest. Preston may be edging out slightly. What are your thoughts on that, Danny, for top six? Probably the top five will stay as it is. Um, I can't see us winning enough games to, what is it, six points behind West Brom, seven behind Leeds. I mean, we have got a plan both, but you're basically saying we've got a, I think we've basically got to win all nine games to get into mm. to get into the top two. Either, that's not going to happen. Having said that, even if we did lose to Brentford, I, I with the likes of Hector in the team now, and there's a calmness about us. Uh, there's a lot of experience in the team, which I think is very important uh, going into crunch period like this. You know, basically every player in the squad has been promoted in the last three years. That's even, right. Even the, even the the one the new signings like uh, R.R. Knockart, Cavalero. Sorry, that's right. Yeah, yeah, but Josh yeah. Onimo was also in the playoff final with Villa when he faced yeah, him. Experienced playoffs. There's a, there's only a handful of players that haven't been in this position, which I think is is really could could be really important. I mean, having said that, we beat a Villa side that they'd all played at Wembley and none of ours had, and it, it didn't make a difference. So. But in general, I think experience is key in in this kind of situation. So even if we lose to Brentford, we're not we're not poor enough to go on a, a run where we're going to come out of the top six, are we? It's not going to happen. Uh, likewise, I don't think we're good enough to go on a run where we're going to catch the top two. So I, I can see the, the top five as it is, and I mean. Hopefully it stays as it is. I think I'd rather play Preston and Bristol City in the playoffs. But I, 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 I couldn't. City. I don't have a clue who's going to finish it. Don't have a clue. It literally could be any of them. Bristol City spooked the shit out of me. I don't know why. Every time I go there, we never get a result I want. It just really frustrates me. But the thing is, just weird season. Weird season before all this nonsense started. And now it's going to be even weirder and even faster season. Reese, what are your top six predictions? Any differences there, mate? The top five are going to be in the top six. It's then just a case of it's just then just a case of ordering them. I can't see us winning enough games to catch the likes of Leeds and West Brom, so I think they're up. Um, I think we should be able to hold on to third place. It then really is just a case, and I think Brentford, Nottingham Forest are going to really just battle between themselves for fourth, which really is the only difference is home advantage in the second leg of the playoffs. Um, if you want to hear a real dark horse team, and I'm not saying this just because of my nationality, I would not rule out Swansea City. I think they have got a very, very good team there that's just waiting to be unleashed. I think Freddie Woodman is a very good championship goalkeeper. I think Joe Roden is gonna is a very good championship centre back. Rian Brewster as well. I don't think he's gonna be exact a superstar um in a sense, but I think he's a very, very good addition for Swansea City there. I think that is a very, very Team just going about their business, but I think they can really cause some problems down the stretch. So I would not rule out Swansea City personally. I think they may be the ones to sneak sixth. I think it's impossible to predict sixth. I think the top five is obvious. I think a team that's always scrapping and fighting to cling on to sixth is never quite of the same quality as as the teams at the very top. And and it's it's completely different to a team that's coming from nowhere, like like Reece said, that has momentum on their side. You know, it's completely different if you're a team in like 10th now nah, and you go and win eight of your nine games and then you're absolutely flying going into the playoffs. Preston just plodding along as they do. They're a bit of a Bristol City. They're the kind of teams that they'll end up, they'll end up just missing out. 
like they always do. They end up finishing eighth or ninth because they haven't just quite got enough. So it wouldn't have surprised me if it was Swansea or, or Cardiff or... You know what? Funny enough, I think I'd have more faith in Cardiff making it if they still had Neil Warnock. There's something about Neil Harris that bit... I'm not sure about that. Uh, yeah, hey, li- literally a lottery. Literally a lottery after the top five. I don't think it really matters because I think we want Brentford and Forest to stay as they are because I don't want to play them over two legs. I'd rather play any of those other teams over two legs. So yeah. I think we're better than them. I think I think we, I think we'd make the final, and then God knows what happens if it's Brentford. Be a really weird experience right. if we make the playoff final when it's in an empty ground. Be very strange, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm hearing that maybe there's rumours that some grounds could be half filled with social distancing in between certain, you know, in between each seat um, by that time. Who and knows? That, but that, I think it would be that would be even weirder. The the other playoff final is 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 very much still in in everyone's memory and is very close to our hearts. To have you know a third of those fans in the ground two meters apart, it would be weird. Yeah. I think it would be even weirder than. Having an empty ground, you yeah. don't want to win at um, you don't want to win at Wembley with um, a third of the stadium full. Do you? No, not true. being able to t- hug anyone if you score. I'd I'd rather it play behind closed doors than than have social distancing. It'd be weird. Yeah, well, I hope we don't. Listen, we don't want to catch Aston Villaitis here, and assuming that we're going to yeah. go to the final. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Reese, were you going to say yeah. something, mate? Getting a bit carried away I'm happy with the socially distanced um, championship playoff final. I don't want anyone near me. Much as I'm pretty sure most of the Fulham fans don't want to be any don't want to be anywhere near me. So I'm pretty sure I'd be I'd, I'd be quite happy with the socially distanced one. Keep five feet away from me. I'm happy with that. I'm wearing my mask and we're not even in the same room. Exactly. It's fair. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a totally fair compromise. <laughs> oh, I missed you guys. All right, guys, so that means you've got Brentford on the 20th at 12.30pm. Then the week after that, you've got Leeds. And then after that, it's two games a week. So it's going to be fast and it's going to be quite furious. Thank you very much to my two co-hosts. Thank you to Mr. Baldwin and thank you to the maker, Danny Boy. Nice one, lads. It was a really good point. It's good to hear your voices again after such a long time. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it, mate. Pleasure as always. Good lads, good lads. All right, we will be back. We will be back in due course with a pod to either preview Brentford once again or as a reaction, we will keep you updated. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us. We're on Twitter, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on all the social media outlets. We will be back very shortly. Stay safe. Thank you.